I'm Drea. I'm Meg. I'm Tina. And I'm Jess. And this is Harden My Stash. Welcome to Pardon My Stash, a podcast about knitting, the fiber arts, and how awesome it is. <laughs> Before we delve into this week's topics, let's share what we're working on currently. Meg? Um, I am, <laughs> between projects right now, I am working on a quick and dirty uh, autumn poplars cowl that hopefully I'm going to have on display at the craft show we're doing this weekend. Um, and I'm knitting it out of Critical Hit Dyes wizard dk in the colorway chickadee it's super cute nice uh drea i just finished over the weekend my hestia beanie by eliza b makes Woo! oh sorry hold on i was waiting for a pause <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you thank you it's not done thank you. it's not done yep. a second it'll die that, down that's a lot of applause <laughs> you know that was that was the right amount of, of applause thank you you're welcome and i have decided to cast on a new project that i believe is going to be a gift hopefully for christmas i don't know we'll find out but i am doing the gazenka shawl by anna lipinska and i am using silver moon farm fiber arts fingering weight in the colorway faded jeans it's going to be blue. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now, okay. I feel silly because I have seen it and it is like a, it is like a faded jean blue. Yeah. It's like a silvery kind of blue. Nice. Because it, it's a little bit shiny. It's got bamboo in it. It's good. Nice. I like bamboo. I do too. And this was like a honkin' mega skein and it took me like an hour to hand roll it. She's not exaggerating. I'm not. I started rolling it in the third quarter of the Vikings game and I finished it just before they went into overtime i mean but it's a ball it's a ball and it's 1100 yards so i'm very proud of myself for not messing it up while i did it (laughs) no No yarn bar no yarn bar here all right tina i am still working on my hestia beanie by eliza b makes and i am using um juniper moon moonshine in snow cone and honeycomb it's red and yellow and it's my 49ers hat and i finally got to the brioche let me Yay! talk to myself thank you <laughs> and <laughs> i love clapping for myself it's so good um, <laughs> um and yeah i'm just enjoying it i'm not trying to go crazy and you know i was gonna go crazy with like fair prep for um this coming Saturday, but I was like, nah, I'll just bring what I got and go from there. So I think it'll be good. Jess? I'm making keychains. Of course you are. <laughs> what kind of keychains? So I've got some dragons, I've got a unicorn, I've got a couple eggs, and a ton of potion bottles, which are my favorite right now. Potion bottles? They're like little bottles, and I get to choose whatever color I want to be in the bottle, and it's great. I love it. Are these crocheted or are these actual bottles? They're crocheted. Oh, okay. Cool. She's been churning out like a keychain a day. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, they're 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 super they're like the eggs are you you make it sound like like just a plain egg. It's a dragon egg. So it's got yeah, like, the scales. scales on it. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, they're very, very cute. I'm having fun with them, though. I'm almost out of keychains, so... So you're saying that this is your new hyperfixation? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's having a good time. Well, the cool cool thing is, it's like she's making them with, with mini skeins that we experimented with that didn't become permanent colors. And so they've just been hanging out and now I've got a use for them. And she's just yanking out whatever color she feels like using that day and going to town. Very good. It's, it's a good, good project for her. <laughs> so that is a good time. And if you want to see pictures of these projects or any other current projects or get more information about Pardon My Stash, be sure to check out our website, pardonmystash.com for info, pics, patterns, and yarns. Mystery Box mystery box what's inside the mystery box all right so this week's mystery box is gonna be ball bands what are ball bands ball bands uh or tags or what have you or uh skein bands if you will uh they're the the piece of paper that's on your yarn that tells you what's there oh we're gonna talk a little bit about them what's on them what needs to be on them and what uh, you actually need to care about um, because you don't really have to pay attention to everything that's on there if you don't want to. So first off, as you asked, what is a ball band? That's the the thing on a yarn. Again, it can be a tag. It can be on a skein. It can be what, what have you, but it has what the yarn is um, and gives you some info on that particular yarn. Um a lot of, uh, I don't know how it is uh, elsewhere in the world, but I know in the States and it, it varies state by state, there are actually things that need to be on your ball band um, for legal uh, things. I do know pretty much universally it should have the uh, fiber content, whatever the fiber is, and the weight. I know some places also require uh, you to have like uh, washing and care instructions on there as well. Um, as, and some other information, but, um, but you will always see whoever made the yarn, what type of yarn it is and what the fiber content is. Cause that, that has to be there. So those are some things. Um, the other things that a ball band, uh, will have, if you're looking at it, um, besides those, those big threes, it'll tell you the weight. Um, it'll tell you how much is in the skein of yarn, Um, and a lot of them have, um, suggested hook sizes or needle sizes, depending on what your gauge, um, suggested gauge should be. It's usually, um, what shows up in a four inch by four inch, uh, swatch. It will also sometimes come with, uh, washing instructions. Um, and you know, you'll get all the symbols of what to use and how to wash it, how to dry it, if, when, all that good stuff. So your ball band is going to have a whole lot of information on there most of the time. Um, You'll notice with indie dyers, uh, us included, there's a whole lot less on there because it's hard to get all of that onto a little piece of paper. What we're going to talk about now is what you really should pay attention to going at it if if you really want to know what's going on with this yarn. So the big thing that you really want to pay attention to other than what the yarn is from because you may want to get more is the weight, the fiber content, and the actual like physical weight. So the first weight is like, you know, your lace weight, your fingering weight, your worsted weight, that kind of stuff, which is different from the weight in grams. Um, And the reason why I say that weight is a bit more 
important even above the yardage is because the weight in grams will always be completely accurate. The yardage is an estimate. Right. Because depending on the twist of the yarn, which I know in Europe, the twist of the yarn is also usually listed. I looked it up, but I don't really understand. It's like how many torques of a twist there is in each yarn. And that affects the thickness of your yarn. Um, So you can have, and and you see it all the time, all of our yarn, like at Critical Hit Dyes, as an example, all of our yarns that we get uh, come out at 100 grams Um, They're all vastly different lengths depending on their um, weight, worsted, all that sort of thing, because you have thicker and thinner yarns. So your weight will always, like that grams will always be accurate. Your yardage may be off here or there, like even in like two fingering weights, maybe slightly different just because of that twist. So if you're like really running close to your project and say you're like within um, a couple inches, but you think you have enough, you may want to get another skein because you never know what that twist will like lead you off on. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes you'll notice you'll have extra yarn at the end of a project when you didn't think you'd have enough. And why sometimes you run out at the end of a project when you thought you had enough. So that's something to pay attention to and just keep in mind. The other thing is the the yarn weight itself where, where it lists like fingering weight, sport weight, DK. Those are also sometimes a little up in the air it, um, because, again, with that twist, like there's fingering weight and then there's light fingering weight. And a lot of places just label them fingering anyway. Same thing you'll, you'll run into with worsted and Aran. Aran is a weight that you really only see in the States. It doesn't really exist in the UK or anywhere else. So they just use worsted all around. Um, but they're vastly different weights. Yeah, I will say this, though. Like, I, I have found, at least when I do testing, that especially in the United Kingdom, they will say Aaron instead of worsted. Yeah, yeah. they use the name. They, they don't say worsted. Yeah, they don't say worsted. They say Aaron. Where we have a difference between them, they don't. So, yeah. So, so that can be, and that's one of those things to keep in mind too, is you may think you have the correct weight of yarn and it may actually be different. Uh, so you, you will, if you're swatching, like that's, and I know I don't do it, but I will say this is points towards making your swatches because it can make a difference. It's also that uh, handy ruler tool that you always see. You can also use that to get your wraps per inch to figure out exactly where in your chart your your yarn weight lies so jess you're gonna do some swatches now no never (laughs) that's not even true i have done swatches before just not often i'm just saying i'm not i'm not against swatching in general i just don't like doing it Uh (laughs) that's fair the other thing that I want to bring up on the ball bands is because a lot of them will have like, this is the hook size and this is your, uh, your swatch like length, like how many stitches for, per inch you should have. That's a suggestion. So if you pick up that yarn and a pattern is telling you like, yeah, use like a three, um, you know, a size three needle, but the ball band says, no, use a size seven. Um, you're going to go with the pattern. Because the pattern is done a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just a suggestion if you're starting, uh, moving on like later into the next segment we'll talk about. If you're starting from scratch and you don't really know like where to go, that's a good starting point for like, okay, get the feel of it. This will create a certain size in a certain stitch. 
And if you have no other pattern to go off of, that's a good, a good place to start. But it is just a suggestion. And um, I know some knitters getting started out, like, look at that. And they're like, oh, I don't have the right tools. You do. You can use whatever tools you have on hand for that. That's just the suggested one for like, again, this is exactly what it should come out to. So don't don't get discouraged or be like, oh, the pattern calls for like, you know, a size four and this calls for a size 10. It's like, yeah, go with the pattern because the pattern designer did their job and wanted a certain look and they're going to get that with the tools they tell you to use. So you can ignore the suggestion on the ball band to go with the pattern. Yeah, absolutely. Because you definitely can use so many different needles and hooks for so many different weights. Um, I wouldn't recommend like a size one with a super bulky, but. Uh. <laughs> interesting. I don't know if that would even work, but no. I would be interested. Anyone who's tried that shows the picture. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I would like to see how the physics on that works. Challenge accepted. (laughs) But um, no, like, yeah, but you're right. Like you can absolutely, there are patterns out there that absolutely will say a fingering weight yarn and then have a huge needle because they want it to be super airy and flowy. And this is one way they can do it outside of like doing, you know, uh, a certain type of stitch or something. So yeah. And it, it may seem weird, but hey, you got the pattern anyway, trust them. They, they designed it. They, they have a, an idea in mind. You liked their idea if you got the pattern. So trust, trust the pattern designer. But yeah, but so, so that's just more. Th- those are things you'll find on a ball band. But aside from the, those big three, I mentioned the, the, the two separate weights. Um, and the third being the fiber content. Everything else on those is a suggestion. I suppose if they do have washing uh, suggestions on there too, it is a suggestion, but that's, I guess, also something that's a bit more important. It would probably behoove you to follow that. <laughs> just try. Just, just try. Just try. Unless you're you're meaning to felt your stuff, then I guess, you know, throw that out the window. Enjoy. All right. So this week's uh, topic is going to be starting from scratch. So we're going to be talking a little bit either, um, you know, you're just going in, you're starting out something completely new, or you are already in the uh, fiber craft and you've decided that you want to switch stuff up a bit. I don't know. Where do we want to start? We're starting from scratch. Well, why don't we, <laughs> why don't we start as like a new crafter? What are you going to do as a new crafter? I mean, personally, I know that when I started as a new crafter, um, the first thing Meg did was she took me to Michael's or maybe it was Joanne Fabric. It was one of those, it, it was one of those like big crafty, crafty stores. Places. Yeah. And she said, okay, you're going to need a pair of needles and you're going to need a skein of yarn. So Personally, I just picked two that looked good. They didn't necessarily go together. <laughs> Wait, skeins or the needles and the skein? Needles and skein. I don't think that I like bought needles based on the skein. I think I just bought a skein and I bought a pair of needles. Oh, I thought you were saying you matched your needles to your skein. No, and I was I'm like, pretty that sure that I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like, these are green needles. I like that. And these are green yarn i like that too so i got you bought green homespun yarn yep. oh it was very fuzzy yep. oh man uh, and you bought short needles i did not not the you bought the 10 inches not the 14s 
Because they were also green. For whatever reason, you and and Jim with his black and white yarn, you two are the only ones that I, I remember distinctly what yarns you got. Yeah. So yeah, first thing, procure materials. <laughs> yeah, procure yes. materials. I would probably listen to Jets' segment again and make sure that you buy needles based on the yarn that you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> So I mentioned last week that a friend of mine out of the blue messaged me and asked uh, to ask me to teach her how to knit. And I actually had the um, had the fun this past Sunday of having her come over and uh, starting her knitting. What I ended up doing the day before she came over, I bought her a starter pack, um, which was just a, a notions bag. I got her a set of size eight circulars and a set of size eight double points because we were going to start with a hat. And I got her a set of stitch markers, a row counter, and a tapestry needle. Nice. And that's if you're making a hat. If you're not making a hat, you can just get one set of needles and call it good. But I was like, for, for bare minimum of things you need to make a hat, if your hat if a hat is going to be your first project, these are the essentials. We did not knit a hat. <laughs> we did, we did not. What did you knit? Um, we're going to do the um, So I, what I thought we would do, um, so I let her pick out some yarn from, from our stash. But I said, before you start, because she picked out a, a color that she really, really liked. And I said, we're going to save that for your hat. And I said, let's start with a swatch. So I just grabbed some some spare yarn from the, the hat that I did for the make-along. I showed her how to do a cast-on. And then I showed her how to do a knit stitch. And that's as far as we got. Um, <laughs> that's good progress, though. No, it was. It was a good beginning. She really, um, you know, I, I mentioned YouTube and I said, you know, the good thing, the, the problem with, with watching me do it is you're, you're not really seeing it like face on. You're seeing me from the side. It's a lot harder to kind of grasp it. Also with YouTube, you can keep rewinding it over and over again. So she said she was going to go home and keep practicing the knit stitch. And I said, you know, when you're ready, we'll get together again and we'll try, we'll try some ribbing. We'll try purling. And then when you feel confident with both of those things, then we will cast on the hat. She was a little bit frustrated because I think she thought like <laughs> the way she, the way she put it, she's like, I thought you were going to take like 10 minutes to teach me and we would just spend the rest of the day knitting. Oh, I, I love her death because she is, she and I are so much alike. And I know you guys have said the same thing where you're like, why am I not instantaneously great at this? This is so <laughs> frustrating. Every time. Why am I not perfect? And it's funny because I can tolerate that like in other people, like I can't tolerate that in myself, but I was like, yeah, you're right. You're, it's shocking that you're not perfect. You just learned how to do this 30 seconds. God damn. Well, I think the biggest thing you have to keep in mind, especially when you're, for anyone who is trying to get into fiber arts in general, whether you're crocheting, knitting, weaving, any of it, you are teaching your hands a new physical motion. And yeah. it doesn't quite have your hands, not your brain, but your hands don't quite have that muscle memory yet of how to perform this action. So you're going weird. to struggle. Yeah, it's going to feel weird and you're going to struggle for a bit and you're going to have to, honestly, the only way to make it better is just to keep doing it until it feels normal. <laughs> But that's true for any skill. Knitting and, and crocheting and anything like that, a lot of it comes down to muscle memory. Yeah. It's and until you part. get it down, it's kind of like trying to write with your with your non-dominant hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It feels a lot like that. It's really frustrating. Or like 
I don't know about you guys. I I mean, I'm from like, you know, the old school where they still taught typing in high school. I don't know if you guys have typing. typing classes in high school. But do you remember like for the, for a while you're like, this is freaking terrible. I hate this. And then all of a sudden one day you just get it and you never go back to like, oh, my fingers know what to do Typing with two fingers again. I feel like knitting is a lot like that in the beginning where you're like, this is so hard. I can't get it. My hands don't want to do the things that I want them to do. And don't give up. Don't like, don't knit only for, or crochet or whatever you're going to do. Don't do it for like three or four sessions. Like you need to do it longer. You need to do it for like. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Even though it feels weird and you feel like you're failing, like just keep going. (laughs) Never surrender. Well, you, you, You can only get better at something the more you do it. I know, but Drea, I want to instantly be good. Well, <laughs> I'll do to extend. Well, I don't have time to learn this. I just want to do it. You want to get the tools that you will need uh, for whatever it is. And you can decide like if you want to kind of go cheap at first and see if you like it. It may be something that you don't like and you want to move on. Or you can get all the like, you know, fancy smanchy things if that's what, you know, the way you roll. You do you. I definitely recommend if that you know somebody that is really into something that you're trying to do, ask them if they have stuff that they don't want anymore or that you could use. Because <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, especially like I can speak for myself and I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for the rest of us. We all have yarn implements, tools, stuff that like we would not mind parting with, you know, could get a better set of and would give us a reason to go get the better set. <laughs> so, oh, yes. It's all about that personal gain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. I don't, I don't give a shit about your production. <laughs> we also can at least let you know, like, yeah, you know what? You actually do want this or no, you know what? Everyone says you need this, but then you never actually use it. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's uh, there's that as well. If I was to start over completely, though, like in ter- since we're talking about this, like if I was going to start knitting right now, um, I definitely would have just gone straight into knitting in the round and just gone in circles until I got comfortable with the knit stitch. And then I would just like do the purl stitch in a- in the round and just con- like because it's an endless swatch, essentially. I don't have to flip it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes like sense. I feel like I would I feel like I would just like keep doing that until I like I just make a long tube <laughs> until I felt comfortable and then um I could always pull the tube out and then like okay, I'm going to like actually try to work on something now. That's actually not a bad way to start and learn how to do the knit stitch actually. Well, for me, I feel like once you know knit and purl, like you could really learn anything once you know knit and purl because everything is just a variation of it. Plus, well, maybe like yarn overs and stuff, but like knit and purl give you like that basic anatomy of like, okay, this is how I'm going to do a bunch of different stitches. What about you guys? What would you guys do? Like, what would be your first thing if you were to start over? If I were starting over, I think... Yeah, no, I know. I know. The, what I would do, honestly, is I would try to do as many new things as quickly as possible. I did not try anything for the first five years. All I did was the knit stitch because I was afraid of making mistakes. So if I could go back and start over, um, I would do kind of what I tried to teach my friend, where it's just take a swatch and just try as many stitches or stitch patterns 
as you possibly can. You know, do do knit, do purl, do stockinette, do seed stitch, try some, you know, simple yarn overs, basic cables, um, and and don't get caught up in like trying to do a project. Like just play around and see what you do. Because once I started to kind of just play around, I realized that it really wasn't that hard to learn new things and, and try new stuff and kind of lament those five years that I just made garter stitch scarves because I was too afraid to try new stuff. So that would be my, if I could go back and do it over, that's what I would do is just, just experiment and go crazy. Doing something similar to that, whether it's in the round or a flat um, long scarf, if you like scarf, like object, I'm not saying you're making a scarf, but like if you just, you know, had worsted weight cast on 30 stitches and just, I'm keeping it even so that you could do like a lot of the different type of stitches that are out there. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense to just get yourself comfortable with everything. That's what I ended up doing when somebody gave me a, a stitch dictionary for Christmas that year. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start to play. And I just did. I grabbed like some spare yarn and, and I cast on, I don't remember how many stitches. And I just kind of went to town and I did like 10 rows of this, 10 rows of that. And it was like, oh, look at me. I can do all these fun things now. And knitting isn't just sitting and doing the knit stitch 7,000 times. It's like 750 knit stitch Bible if you're trying to get into knit stitches. Um, not speaking on crochet, just speaking on knitting. And it has cables, lace, knit pearl, and then it has like random complicated stuff. That's how I got to know about the trellis stitch. And I got so into it. And like, and again, like you said, like you you find all this stuff and you're like, oh, wow, like I could do this. I could do that. I could do. And then reading it uh, again, once you get comfortable with knit and purl, you do realize even the trellis stitch is just a glorified knit and purl in a whole bunch of different stitches. That's really, yeah. Yeah. There's like a little bit of a technique where you have to like pull the yarn up from a separate row. But other than that, like it's just essentially that knit and purl stuff. So I think that's, I think that's a really good Meg, what you're speaking on. I think that's, I hope that resonates with someone who's trying this out because that's a really good piece of advice. Learn from my mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Drea? What would you do? I don't know that I would change the way that I did things. Just because I feel like everything that I've learned, I've learned very organically. Like when I felt like I was ready to learn something new, I moved on to something new. I saw something and I said, I want to do that. So I did it. I don't think that I would change that because I think that I've had a very organic and very entertaining journey in my knitting endeavors. I like that too. Yeah. Slow and steady. Yeah. Whenever I was ready, whenever I saw something new. So I've been knitting for 14 years and it took me 14 years to decide to do a sweater. But at the same time, I think, you know, I wanted to come to a certain point in, in what I know in the craft before I wanted to do something that big. I think there's something really to be said for that though, too. It's like, I feel like there's, there can be a lot of self pressure to, I'm not a real knitter unless I do this or make a sweater or do a lace shawl, which is just simply not true. Yes, if you're knitting, you're knitting. (laughs) If you're knitting, you're knitting. Um, So I I think that a a good takeaway from that is just, you know, don't don't do things you don't want to do. I was always very happy doing my garter stitch scarves for the longest time. And then when I moved on from that to like socks, 
I was very happy doing nothing but socks for a very long time. <laughs> There's a lot of socks. There were a lot of socks. I've done like 30 pairs of socks. And I was happy doing every single one of them. <laughs> so the takeaway is find your joy. Yeah, find your joy. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> I feel that way with the crochet. I wouldn't really change anything about the crochet. Knitting, I would have gone sooner to someone who had the same dominant hand as me because I had a real hard time trying to learn from a left-handed person when I'm right-handed. However, in 10 minutes of watching a right-handed person do it, I was like, oh, okay. And then I could flip everything because I was learning from my mother who is left-handed. I just couldn't mirror it and then when i saw my grandmother doing it i was like oh um so i could save myself a whole lot of frustration um i also would have started with softer yarns because i didn't do a lot of knitting because i did not like the yarn choices i had at the time do not force yourself to like use crap yarn if it's gonna like give you a texture issue yeah old school bad red heart that's where i started man like that's rough (laughs) Yeah, no, that would have killed my hands. So I didn't do it for, and I forget why I started doing it again. And I started doing, I made puppets and I would make like dragons and stuff and their bodies and manes I would knit. It was kind of like an ends to a means for a while. And then I started doing, you know, actual knit stuff, I guess, uh, when you guys started doing it. I, I did. I, I started real young. It was something my, my grandmother always knit and crocheted. My mom did it for a while. So i am a uh, been at this for 20 some odd years. Um... In the before times when Ravelry wasn't a thing and I couldn't just check YouTube and <laughs> I have some like books from the 40s with patterns and crap in them. like Shake your cane, Jess. <laughs> I, I mean, like, everybody. And, but meanwhile, I'm here like, yeah, no, use the YouTube, use the Ravelry, use the like all the things because I wish I had them. Like, right. you know, again, my, my mother and grandmother are great. I learned so much from them. My grandmother was doing like patterny things that like no one in the area was doing at the time. It was great. But it would have been so much easier if we had like these tools at our disposal. <laughs> do you guys still think you would have done garter stitch scarves or do you think you would have done like a different first project? I think I would have liked to have a different project like looking back because I know that after a while I did get bored. At the same time, I enjoyed doing it. So I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I think that the major problem with the garter stitch scarf, a couple of major problems. The first is that there's too much of it. (laughs) Well, there's too much. It goes on for way too long and it can be really discouraging. Unless you are a really fast knitter right off the bat, it's going to take you a really, really long time to finish that scarf. It also, if you are me, results in some uncomfortably short scarves because you get bored and you're like, this is long enough. Um, and it's not long enough. It's not long <laughs> enough at all. Um, so you you wind up with kind of a, a product that you, maybe you're like, you're okay with it, but it's never going to be something you're super excited about because it just doesn't fit right. The second problem with the garter stitch scarf is that when it's done, you have learned at most cast on, knit stitch, bind off. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not much to it. Whereas, uh, see, honestly, at this point, when, when my friend wanted to knit, I recommended a plain ribbed brim stockinette hat, because then you learn cast on, knit, purl, knitting in the round, decreasing. The gather. Yeah, oh, there you go. It. Right there, you've now tripled the amount of techniques that you learned. 
And it's still a simple project. It's still a simple project. And even my the first hat that I ever knit, that was a decent hat. I've said before, the first hat I ever knit was a yarmulke. <laughs> but the first actual hat that I finished was a worsted weight hat. And it took me two days. And I was not that great a knitter. You're also going to get it done a lot faster than a garter stitch scarf and way less opportunity to get bored. So I would always recommend like the ribbed brim stockinette hat if I were to like go forward now. That's what I started Frank on when I was teaching him how to knit. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And you get that instant, not instant, but close to instant gratification of, look, I made this. Finishes pretty quick. I finished a project. And that's all the time we have for this week. For additional content and opportunities to connect with the cast, be sure to check out our Patreon or our website at pardonmystash.com. And remember to tune in next week for more tips, nits, and wits at Pardon My Stash.